Welcome to The Excellent Fiduciary, a podcast from Roland Chris, where we explore what it takes to meet and exceed the demands of managing an employee benefit plan in today's complex market. From regulatory developments to fiduciary news and practical tips, tune in to The Excellent Fiduciary for your step-by-step guide in achieving compliance and confidence in a new fiduciary era. Now let's begin today's show with an introduction from our Roland Chris host. Thank you, Ashley. Well, many human resources executives find themselves assigned to a committee that manages the investments in employee benefit plans like 401k, 403b, and company-funded pension plans. Seldom do HR leaders possess the academic background or experience of an investment professional. Well, this podcast, then, is intended to clarify the key issues that federal law and the courts expect planned fiduciaries to address and resolve with prudence in connection with the investment discipline. Hopefully, we'll instill confidence in those human resources managers who may feel a little out of their comfort zone when they meet with their committee colleagues. We'll open this podcast with a question for our audience, and here it is. Choosing investments for your personal portfolio is either A, a science, B, an art, C, a hobby, or D, a thrill ride. Well, or maybe all of the above. The key word here is personal. You don't have to answer to anyone but yourself, of course. But if you choose investments as a retirement plan or pension plan committee member, your employees have every legal right to know how and why you chose the investments the plan offers. Perhaps you chose them on the advice of a service provider. Now, do you know how or why your service provider selected your investments, if that's where your advice came from? And do you know what determined the investment universe of choices that you were given? Well, we'll tackle these and other questions in this episode of the Excellent Fiduciary Podcast. I'm your host today, Ron Hagen. Well, if you're a member of a committee that determines the makeup of an investment lineup for a retirement or pension plan, you're an investment fiduciary. Now, it's a role that's loaded with legal and moral implications. In that case, the answers you might give to my opening questions are essential to uh, defending yourself and your committee if you're called on by the U.S. Department of Labor in a plan audit or an attorney representing the plan's participants in a lawsuit. Deciding, uh, Deciding on behalf of others whom to hire as their plan's investment provider or consultant is a lonely job. Now, the good news is that you're not accountable for good or bad investment returns. Federal law only requires you to use a careful or what it calls prudent process for selecting and monitoring investments and service providers and to document the criteria you use. In today's litigious society and a volatile stock and bond market, a glaring light is shining on the entire retirement plan community where every decision you make as an investment fiduciary is open to scrutiny. Given that plan participants may well challenge your choice of investment options, you you should explain clearly in writing how to evaluate the investment universe. Now, that information is usually contained inside your plan's investment policy statement, or IPS. 
Now, there's no requirement that investment fiduciaries forecast future returns. Instead, they must state the assumptions they use to develop the probable outcomes of the investment strategy they adopt. Your plan's IPS likely does that. So the IPS is a critical governance document for investment fiduciaries. Once your plan's investment strategy is defined and maintained in an IPS, the next step is choosing the right service providers. Now let's look briefly at the marketplace for vendors and talk about those that, well, let's say increase risk for you as a fiduciary and those that do not. Vendors that offer multiple services increase the risk through conflicts of interest, which elevates your personal risk dramatically. The U.S. Supreme Court decided a case several years ago that makes using multiple hat vendors, as they called it, very risky. Many such vendors provide record-keeping and investments in a single arrangement. Now, regardless of how well-known a service provider might be or how prominent its brand might be, you'd better have a good reason for using it if it will serve your plan in more than one capacity. Now, this brings me up to my next point. Fiduciaries must be critical in their selection of service providers and must follow a prudent, documented process for picking them and for monitoring them ongoing. The failure to do so is one of the leading causes of settlements in class action lawsuits against employers for violating their fiduciary duty related to a lack of care in monitoring their vendors. Insurance companies have paid over $1 billion in those cases on behalf of of insured employers over the last few years. So for your maximum prote protection, choose vendors that will not have any conflict of interest with your plan and make sure your provider has in place a well-documented, easy to understand investment selection process before signing on. By teaming with a service provider that meets these criteria and working with it to develop a strong investment policy statement you can rest assured that you've met your fiduciary responsibility, which is, again, to document a careful, prudent decision-making process in accordance with the Employee Retirement Income Security Act. I'd like to have you grasp the following fact. It will help you confidently and quickly assume the mantle of an investment fiduciary. The decisions that you must make as a fiduciary are very well defined, and a priority exists for the sequence of those decisions. Your ability to perform at a high level of competency should not be viewed as an incomprehensible mystery. There's a well-established hierarchy of decisions developed from pension law, trust statutes, and 45 years of court decisions. It's called the hierarchy of investment decisions. Let's review it briefly. The most critical question to answer in this five-step hierarchy is this. What's the investment time horizon for the plan? Translated into more simple language, how long will a specific investment strategy be followed? An example of the effect the time horizon decision has is this. The shorter the time horizon, the less appropriate equity investments. Here's a tip. The time horizon for defined contribution plans like 401k plans is into perpetuity. In other words, there's no real practical end to the time horizon. So when the time horizon question has been answered, 
deciding next which asset classes in which participants' deferrals and plan sponsor contributions should be invested is next. Examples of asset classes include stocks, otherwise called equities, bonds, mutual funds, annuities, real estate, and alternatives like hedge funds, real estate investment trusts, and exchange-traded funds, ETFs. Now, here's an illustration of the connection between the time horizon answer and the asset class question. Time periods of less than five years make short-term fixed income investments and cash the prudent choices because they have fewer ups and downs in rates of return. The third question in this five-step hierarchy is that you should know the answer to is called allocation. Asset allocation is the term used to describe the way in which investable funds are distributed among the asset classes. Now, for example, if the investment strategy embraces equities, fixed income securities, and cash, then the portion of the total assets to be invested in each becomes the asset allocation answer. In many cases, it's prudent to diversify investments to be made in a specific asset class into sub-asset classes. So the fourth question to be answered in the hierarchy of investment decisions is what styles of investments exist that might spread the risk. Examples of sub-asset classes for equities might include value, growth, and small, capital, uh, small capitalization investments. The fifth and final key decision in the hierarchy of investment management decisions is who among the money managers will an investment fiduciary appoint to execute the investment plan? Candidates might also include mutual funds. Now, important point to be made here, and it can't be emphasized enough. This is it. The fifth decision will have the least impact on the performance of investment funds over the long term. Yet a very large number of investment fiduciaries think that picking an investment advisor or money manager is the most important action they should take. This is completely opposite of the order dictated by a prudent process. Remember, the prudence of a fiduciary's investment decisions and actions is, is determined not by a portfolio's performance results, but by the soundness of the decision-making process that led to those results. While the loss of portfolio values is what usually triggers lawsuits and arbitrations, a fact finder, an attorney, the U.S. Department of Labor, or the courts, is not allowed under standards of modern portfolio prudent investing to focus on performance in determining whether a breach of fiduciary duty has occurred. Here's one last thing before we conclude this session. Investment fiduciaries who focus solely on returns violate standards of prudent fiduciary investing that require them to consider both returns and risk when building portfolios. Remember, fiduciary laws commit retirement plan committees to adhere to a prudent process not to achieve certain investment outcomes. Well, it's time to wrap up this episode, and I'll leave you with this thought. Retirement plan committees are challenged more frequently today to prove their prudence than ever since 401k-type plans emerged. So now is the time to know where your committee stands and to upgrade its decision-making procedures to align with governance, risk management, and compliance standards. 
Roland Chris's risk assessments identify procedural gaps and reveal opportunities for improvement. And you may ask for more information about that from me by email at ronhagen at rolandchris.com. Thank you for your participation in this podcast. We enjoy receiving feedback. So please make your comments about today's episode by email at excellentfiduciary at rolandchris.com. We look forward to hearing from you. I hope you'll join us on our next podcast. And until then, have a great day.